Amen. Well, it's great to be here with you this morning and uh, great to be worshiping here with you this morning. Maybe a little dreary outside, but we have God moving in this place and all of God's people said, and we have a chance to celebrate him. We have a chance to relate to him, to connect with him and to make much of him. And man, that is our God. He longs to have relationship with us. And uh, today's a huge day. It's a day where we get to walk through a little bit of what does it mean to have a relationship with him, and uh, how do we connect with him, and how do we celebrate that. And uh, today's also a huge day for another reason. Uh, today is 23 years of marriage for me and my wife, uh, today. That deserves at least a fist bump, right? So uh, 23 years today, and... Uh, we got married at spring break. She was a teacher at the time, and so we decided, do we want to wait until the summer? We said, absolutely not. So we got married during spring break, and uh, so March 26th is our 23rd. Speaking of relationship and connecting, man, it's super important that we take time to celebrate relationship, right? Correct? My wife is saying correct on that. And... Uh, Super important that we remember where we've come from and where we're headed. And all of God's people say, and, uh, and that's true for our relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as well. And uh, man, we have a relationship with the God of the universe. There is unbelievable privilege in knowing him, in knowing him. And uh, do you know him as Savior? And today we're going to walk through a passage where we have a chance to learn what it means to know him and how we can celebrate him. And we're going to just talk through that very clearly. So do me a favor, turn with me, if you will, to Acts chapter 10, starting in verse 34. Acts chapter 10, starting in verse 34. And uh, first point, believe in Jesus as risen Savior and Lord of all. Believe in Jesus as risen Savior and Lord of all. Man, this is a starting point. It starts with belief, with faith in Him. And we're going to walk through this in detail and make sure we grasp it. But as we dive into verse 34, we're going to need to know a little setup of what's going on before it. We're in Acts chapter 10 here. And so the context, the verses before it, we've got a couple of visions going on. Peter has a vision. And then there's a guy named Cornelius that has a vision, one of them a Jew, one of them a Gentile. And so God is bringing some people together, and he gives Peter this vision, and he's like, here you go. Peter comes up on this rooftop. He's uh, kind of going into this prayer moment with God, and all of a sudden he has this sort of moment with God where God makes clear to him, here are some animals, and he shows him all these animals that he wasn't allowed to eat as a Jew, right? There was all these animals they were supposed to stay away from to stay clean, and then God's like, you can eat them, right? And Peter's like, surely not. Like, Lord, I don't do that. I don't want to break down on the rule. And, and uh, he's trying to stay true to this Jewish law. And, and God's making it perfectly clear to him, no, there's a new rule at hand now. And, and I want you to head forward being willing and open to do this. It actually says right after it, Peter was perplexed. He's like, well, I don't get that. I wonder what kind of dream that was. I wonder what I'm really supposed to do with that. Like, that's where Peter's going with it. Meanwhile, God's now working with Cornelius, this Gentile. And he's like, there's going to be this guy, Simon Peter, and you need to go get him. You need to connect with him. 
You need to go find him because he's got the answers for you as to how you can be saved. And so Cornelius is like, okay, clear enough. So he goes to get Peter and he brings him in. Here's what it says, starting in verse 30, just to get the setup. It says, and Cornelius said, four days ago about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius. Can you imagine that moment where you're praying and an angel shows up and then uses your name personally, right? And says, Cornelius, and he's telling Peter this, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send, therefore, to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once. He's saying this to Peter now, right? So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God, get ready, to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. Now, that's what every preacher loves to hear, right? He's like, hey, tell us whatever you think God's commanded you to tell us. And Peter's like, all right, here we go. And now we're diving into this call to belief. So Peter opened his mouth, starting in verse 34, and said, truly, I understand that God shows me that shows no partiality. Truly. Uh, everybody say Truly means this is absolutely 100% verifiable fact. This is truth. And uh, Peter is now saying, I understand God shows no partiality. In fact, I had this kind of quirky dream just a little bit ago, and, and God was making this really clear, that, that it's time to go after Gentiles as well, and, and God wants to see things happen in more than just in the Jewish nation. Peter's like, wow, I barely understand this, but let me tell you what God's commanding me lately. No partiality. Gentiles can be saved. And a uh, hey, newsflash, just so you know this, most of us in this room, if not all, are Gentiles, right? And so praise God that Gentiles can be saved. And all of God's people said, it's not just for the Jewish nation, it's for all people who come to trust in him. And we have hope. It says, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Anyone who fears the Lord and shows respect to him, who follows after him and honors him. Remember, we love the Lord as we obey the Lord. Saying, hey, he's Lord of my life, but I'm not going to do anything he wants is actually not having him Lord of your life. Hear me now. Saying he's Lord of your life and not following through with obeying and making him Lord of your life, that's not saved. Super clear on that, right? Saved is when we're showing full respect to him and we're letting God have his say, he's in charge of my life. Lord, what do you want done in my life? And if you're like, God, I don't care what you want. I'm going to do what I want, but I believe you're alive. And uh, that's not saved. Super important we get the distinction and the difference, right? It says, as for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. Man, newsflash, get this, Jesus Christ is 
in charge. He is God of the universe. He is King of kings. He is Lord of lords. Jesus Christ, he spoke and this world existed, Colossians chapter 1. He's in charge. Are you letting him be in charge of your life? Lord, you're in charge. It says he is Lord of all. It says you know yourselves. You know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning with Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed. You know what happened. And so now he's talking to these guys and he's like, look, as we were rubbing shoulders and you were talking to me a little bit, as you were telling me a little bit of your thoughts and your concerns and what you wanted me to talk about here, you already revealed out some information. And I know for a fact that you actually already are fully aware of this ministry of Jesus Christ. You know what went down after there was some proclamation by John. He was calling for repentance. But then a lot more happened than that. And uh, there's some huge things that took place. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. There are now seven things that he is going to go through. And the first one is that Jesus Christ is anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. God the Father anointed God the Son with God the Holy Spirit, and there was power. He's like, here's one thing you better understand, man. Jesus Christ is the anointed one. He is the Messiah. He is our hope. He is the one. God the Father working with God the Son, and he pours on God the Holy Spirit, and all of it starts there. Jesus Christ he is the anointed one. Everybody say, he is anointed. What does that word mean? It means he is chosen and there is power released on him and he is God in the flesh. That's the first thing we need to grasp about Jesus Christ. Peter's like, you want me to share what I know? Here's one thing I know. Man, you best understand who Jesus Christ is and his greatness. There is power in him and there is authority in him. Not only was he anointed by the Holy Spirit and with power, it said, he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Second thing about Jesus Christ, he went around healing all who were oppressed by the devil. I love that phrase. It didn't say he went around healing all. Everybody say, not that. See, there's more to it. He went around healing all who were oppressed by Satan. He stepped into this world and he said, there is a God of this world, but it is a little G. And now there is a God of this world and it is a capital G. And you are meeting the one who is in charge of the universe. And I manage health and well-being. And I manage the authority in this place. And he healed. And he called them to himself. Man, Jesus Christ, he is the anointed one, chosen by God the Father and poured out upon God the Son, collecting up all the authority and power of God the Holy Spirit, and then he began to heal, and he rocked their world. Why? Because God is with them. 
God the Father and God the Holy Spirit pouring out through God the Son, massive healing. Third thing, and we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. He's like, hey, here's the third thing you need to understand. Dude, this isn't just some story. There are, I was there. I was there. Can you imagine the authority with which you would preach when you watched Jesus Christ take a blind man and make him see? When you literally are seeing individuals' lives and hearts being shifted over to a hope and faith in him, where you are seeing a joy where there was no joy. You're seeing the little to the massive. And not only that, remember now we're in Acts chapter 10. A few chapters back, Peter's like starting to heal people himself through the power of Jesus Christ. He's like, I'm telling you this. I have seen it. I have been there. This is so absolutely true. Everybody say there are witnesses. Dude, there are witnesses. Jesus Christ, healing power as he rocked this world with his authority. And uh, more than that, more than just being witnesses, it says, they put him to death by hanging him on a tree. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. Fourth thing about Jesus Christ, know this, Jesus Christ, he went to the cross for you. He went to the cross for me. Jesus Christ, living an absolutely perfect life, he did not warrant death on a cross, and yet that's where they dragged him to. They put him on the cross and they put the nails through his flesh and as his flesh was torn and the blood dripped out, prophecy was being fulfilled and your God was making a payment for you. And, uh, amen, amen. Man, hear this. Each and every one of us, we, has, we have missed the mark gravely. We are told in Romans 3 that all have sinned. We hear that word sinned. It sounds like a church term, right? But it's actually a sports term. And it literally means we have all missed the mark. We have missed the bullseye. We've missed the outer rings. We've missed the whole doggone target and come up short. The arrow hit the sand. That's what it means. It's a sports term. So for all of you who love March Madness, it's like the dude pulling up from 23 feet and tossing it and shooting it about 19 feet. Completely misses and comes up short. And everybody cries out, that was really weak. And everybody cries out, airball, right? That's the same thing. That's what this term means. For all have shot an airball. For all have come up short. And that's where every single one of us stands before God. We're in dire straits. We're in need. And man, this coming up short comes with penalty. Our Savior knows the penalty. We are eternally separated from God. There is hell only for each of us who has done our works and tries to stand on them alone. 
hear me, not one of us is good enough to earn heaven. Not one. I don't stand here today saying, I figured out how to earn it. I stand here today and say, I cannot earn it. Come join me. I'm telling you there is a Savior and his name is Jesus Christ. And we need him. We are in dire straits without him. It says we have come up short. We have missed the mark. What was the mark? It says for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Don't miss that, man. The measure is not the guy next to me, right? Because all too often we're like, I don't know. I see who's sitting around me. I'm looking pretty good in comparison. And uh, I, I don't know, they don't really seem to have their act together very much. I'm better off than them. And remember, it does not say, for all have sinned and come short of the guy next to them, right? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The measuring stick is Jesus Christ and his perfection, and none of us meets up. Everybody say, none of us. We're all in need. And here's the thing. While Satan couldn't stand that Jesus Christ was healing the ones he was oppressing, and so he loved the thought of getting rid of them, and the whole plan of taking them to a cross and killing them seemed brilliant, in fact, that was exactly God's plan from the beginning. And as God the Father allows God the Son to go to the tree, he is literally saying, this is a crushing blow. And this is my plan. And in the moment that Christ went to the cross, and in the moment he carried sin that he never, ever performed himself, he took the weight of your sin on you. On him. Yours on him. Him for me. Everybody say him for me. Dude, that's the hope in Jesus Christ. Not me being good enough. My Savior being loving enough. That's our hope. Jesus Christ, yes, he was hanged on a tree then it goes on and it says, but, you got to love when you see the word but on something like that, right? It's like, and then they, they crucified him on a tree and there was perfect quiet. But, in other words, that's not the end of this story, but God raised him on the third day and made him to appear. And all of God's people said, amen. man, amen to that. That deserves some applause. Amen. <laughs> Hear me. We serve the risen Savior. And all of God's people said, amen. man, hear me. He went to the cross and he died, but that is not the end of the story. And all of God's people said, amen. hear me, Jesus Christ, he died for our sin. And he rose again. And as Paul says, man, what good would the death be if there was no life in him? We have life and we have life eternal through Jesus Christ, our Lord. 
Man, the promise is not just a moment of forgiveness, but this forgiveness lasts forever. Forever. Your sin covered because of Christ and his work forever. Praise be to God. And have you trusted in Jesus Christ? Have you said, you're Lord of all? You are God Almighty anointed. You came to this earth. You were working miracles of healing. There was amazing things that happened and men stood against you. You went to the cross crucified, willingly allowing yourself. You are risen from the dead. For me? I'm in. Have you laid your life before him? It says then that he raised him on the third day and he made him to appear. And I love this. It says, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. But to us who were chosen, everybody say, God had a plan. And he's like, there's a few I'm going to be revealing this to, and they are going to be testifying, and man, are they going to bring it. And when I show them who I am in all of my authority and power, then they are going to bring that message to bear as a witness, as a testimony to others. Peter's like, I had the privilege of being a part of that of being there as we ate and drank with him. Everybody say, that's a big deal. deal. You're like, why is that a big deal? Uh, He rose from the dead. And there are many who would like to say, well, not bodily. I mean, it wasn't like this real resurrection. It was some other thing that went on. and, And no, dude, he ate and he drank. He was seen and he was met. And was there a uniqueness to this glorified body? Yes. And was there an awesomeness to what was going on? Yes. But was this a physical body? Yes. Does Jesus Christ as fully God and fully man, hear me now, is he fully bodily risen? Answer is, Jesus Christ is risen. He is alive. And there is authority in him. Do you know the living God. Are you leaning on him and trusting in him? He goes on and he said, and he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. Jesus Christ Know this, point number six for Jesus, is he will rule for all eternity. And those living and those who have already died will give an answer to him. He is judge. And we will come before him. And we will have to answer to him. Did I try to do it on my own? Was it all about me? 
Did I recognize that I missed the mark of His glory? Did I get on my knees and hand it all over to Him? Or did I make it about me? We will be holding that accountable before our Savior and God. And man, if you're in this room today, please hear me. There is no toying with this phrase. Please be careful. Please hear me as I say this. There is a living Savior. His name is Jesus Christ, and he loves you with all he's got. He loves you. And he's already poured it on the cross. Come to the one who is your hope, Jesus Christ. Come to him. Respond to him. Allow him to be your Lord and Savior. King of all. King of you. Lord, you're in charge. And we will give answer to him. And yes, it says the living and the dead. And uh, yes, that means even believers, we will give an answer. And uh, here's the beauty of it, though. If your name is written in the book of life, meaning you have trusted in Christ, there's a moment where you're stepping up. And honestly, we have no idea what it's going to be like. But I can only imagine as we're coming before our God and you've trusted in him as Savior, he's like, welcome. It is awesome to see you. And uh, I have died for this one. This one is in the family of God. And he stands on our behalf and defends Jesus Christ, our Savior. Man. Do you know that? God, like that, man, may you meet him face to face with a smile on your face because he's in charge and you know it and you've put him there. And all of God's people said, and the last one, to him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. That the prophets bear witness. Hear me. God had a plan and he put it in motion from eternity past. This wasn't some made-up moment where he's like, oh, well, that wasn't working. Let's try this plan. Everybody say, not that. From eternity past, he had a plan in motion. God knew exactly where he was headed. And the plan is this, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins, hear me, through his name. Man, we are told very clearly that there is one name under God, whereby we must be saved. And that name is Jesus Christ. We are told very clearly that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. 
and no one comes to the Father but by him. Man, don't kid yourself. This world is selling something else, and it is from the pit of hell. Hope in yourself. Hope in someone other than Jesus Christ. The world is selling something, and it will not bring salvation. Trust in him and him alone. And there are seven truths that we just went through here. I'll just go over them real quickly again. And if you want to write down just two or three words for each, here we go. The first truth about Jesus Christ. Him with power. It says he was anointed by God and the Holy Spirit. Him with power. The second one, him with healing. Him with healing as he healed those who were oppressed by Satan. Number three, uh, him seen. There are witnesses. Him seen. The fourth one, him for me. He went to the cross. Him for me. He is my hope. He is my salvation. The fifth one, him alive. Jesus Christ, he did not just die for me. He rose again from the dead. He is living eternally. He will be the great judge. He's in charge. Him alive. Number six, him the judge. And number seven, him as savior. Do you know him? And my wife and I were married 23 years ago. It didn't happen because we thought, yeah, why not? That'd be a cool idea. And then we did nothing else about it. It happened because with witnesses there, we took a moment where we stood up in front of and we took vows together. We're standing together with one another. And then we're making good on those vows daily for our life. And all of Jana said... Man, a relationship with Christ starts with you establishing it by saying, I hear you, Lord, and I know who you are, and I'm responding to you. You are the God of this universe. You came down here with power and authority. You have done healing before witnesses. You have died. You have risen. You will be the judge, and I'm trusting in you. I'm in. Romans chapter 10 says, believe that he has risen from the dead. Do you believe that? He has risen from the dead. Believe that and confess him as Lord. Is he in charge of your life? And you will be saved. It's that simple. Believe and confess. And we say it this way around here. It's not easy, but it's as simple as ABC. Admit, A, admit that you have shot the air ball, man, that you are not perfect and you have missed the mark of Jesus Christ. Admit that. That's usually an easy one. If you don't have that one down, just tap the person next to you and ask them, hey, am I perfect? <laughs> that one will be answered pretty fast for you. B, right? Believe. 
Believe that he is God Almighty and he has risen from the dead. Believe. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is God Almighty, risen from the dead? And see, confess him as Lord. You're in charge, God. No more toying around. You're in charge. Hear me, there's a lot of people that do A and B, but they're not on C. That's not saved. Believing that Jesus is risen from the dead, but I will not let him be in charge of my life, is not saved. Are we clear enough on that? It's time to admit, it's time to believe that he is risen from the dead, and it is time to confess him as Lord in charge of your life. And the Holy Spirit is pressing in right now. Are you willing to respond? So here's the deal. Before we go to point two, we're not moving on. Let's just have everybody bow their heads and close their eyes. Man, if you have not trusted Christ as your Savior, this is your moment. Lock it in. Believe that he has risen from the dead and confess him, Lord, you're in charge of my life. It's that simple. I believe you are risen from the dead. I'm putting you in charge of my life. I'm done fighting. Jesus, you're in charge. And just let him know that. Man, if you've already trusted Christ as Savior, be praying in this room right now that God move. Just let the quiet of the room speak. As the Spirit is pressing in. Are you willing to make him your Lord? You might be like, I don't even know what to say. Man, just quietly right where you are, just repeat the prayer like this after it. There's no magic words, but this is a great moment. Just repeat a prayer like this, and I'll go phrase by phrase. You can say what I'm saying after me. If you're right now saying, I'm in, I want to make much of him, and he's Lord of my life. Ready? If you want to be saved, just repeat this. Dear Heavenly Father, I admit I missed the mark. I'm not perfect. I've got so much that needs to be addressed in my life. Please forgive me. I believe. I believe you are risen from the dead. You are God Almighty. You are alive. I believe. And I confess, you are Lord. Please take over. You're in charge. I confess. I want you in charge. I'm done fighting. Please save me. In the saving name of Jesus, I pray. 
Amen. Amen. Man, if you trusted Christ as Savior, let us know, will you? And uh, we're going to be doing something at the end, and, and you can let us know through that card as well. And uh, we'd love to be able to hear from you. We'd love to be able to talk with you a little bit. And uh, just let us know. We would love to connect with you. And we're going to be doing a thing with a card at the end here, and so we'll kind of connect through that means as well, all right? First step is believe. Second step, take a stand for him through baptism. Take a stand for him through baptism. Man, if you have trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, and you have not since let somebody know publicly, that's what baptism is all about. And maybe you trusted Christ today, and you're like, okay, that's it, I'm in. Or maybe you've trusted Christ in the last couple of weeks or months or years or decades and you have not since been baptized. Man, time to let people know that you're standing with your Savior and his name is Jesus Christ. So here we go. Take a stand for him through baptism. Verse 44. While Peter was still saying these things, please note, he was in the middle of speaking. He's not done. He's like, oh yeah, and then there was this other thing. And they interrupt him. He's still saying these things. The Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. The Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. We've talked about this word fell before one time. And this is the same word that was used by the prodigal son's father. When the prodigal son's father saw the son coming back home, he had been gone away. He blew his dad and his family off. But he decided, never mind, I was wrong. I'll come home. I'll be a servant. Fine. It doesn't matter if I'm treated as son. I was wrong. And as he's coming home, the father sees him in the distance. And he has one of those moments where he literally is hiking up his robe and running across an open field. Absolutely no class at all. And couldn't care less. My son! And as he got to his son, he says he fell on him. He threw his arms around him. You have to understand the depth of this word when it says the Holy Spirit fell on them, threw his arms around them and drew them in close as they have now come home. They are trusting in Jesus Christ as Savior and they are saved. And all of God's people said, and the Holy Spirit then fell on them. What a sweet power moment. It fell on all, Holy Spirit fell on all who heard and the believers from among the circumcised. Everybody say, that's the Jews who had come with Peter. They're like, you're going to talk to a bunch of Gentiles? All right, we're not really good with this. We'll go with you to make sure everything stays in line, right? And Peter shares this and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit falls on them and they are amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. The gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. In other words, they're like, I can't believe the Holy Spirit is moving with the Gentiles too. And uh, so they were actually taught as Jews, um, it will be only about you. And uh, what they weren't catching in the promise to Abraham is that the nations would all be blessed. And this is how. 
And now they're starting to get it. Maybe some of them for the very first time right in that moment as they're amazed. And it says, for they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Speaking in tongues and extolling God. There is words coming off their lips that weren't their actual home language. And now you have to figure out a little bit of what does this speaking in tongues mean? And just check this out. Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. Do you see those words? Just as we have. He's like, hey, just like back in Acts chapter 2, when all the Gentiles or all the Jews became saved, and as they were saved, what happened? They started speaking out in tongues, foreign languages, and people from all over the place in these foreign languages were now hearing about Christ, and they were being saved. Acts chapter 2 was a foreign language spill out of the Holy Spirit. He's like, hey, just like then, the Holy Spirit is pouring out here. And so this is some sort of foreign language spill out as they're beginning to share across to other ethnicities and nations. They are celebrating God Almighty. It says that they were speaking in tongues and extolling God. God was being praised in that room. God was being celebrated in that room. Jesus Christ was being made much of in that room. And uh, how about in this room? Are you willing to extol your God? What does that mean? To talk openly of his greatness, to celebrate him, to lift him up and make much of his name. Your God is your glory and your hope. Praise be to God. And all of God's people said, and that's our hope, Jesus Christ. And uh, Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people? He's like, well, obviously a great next step would be having these guys get baptized. And uh, we would love to see that. Let's make that happen. And uh, as Peter asked that, he said, and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. A couple of things that are very awesome about that. Are you ready? And he commanded them. Okay? Baptism. It's a commandment. And we do need to take a stand with our Savior. Remember, first they heard of Christ, then they believed in Christ, then the Holy Spirit fell on them. Everybody say, that's saved, right? Now they're saved, they're believing, and the Holy Spirit is indwelt. And at that point, they are saved believers. And Peter's like, time for some baptism. First belief, then... Okay, first belief, then... Then baptism, right? It's time to make much of our God. Belief and then baptism. We see it all over in the book of Acts, modeled as belief and then Take a public stand and be a witness. Make much of your God. He has fallen on me and wrapped his arms around me. I don't deserve it. It's amazing what he's done for me. And testify. Then they asked him to remain for some days. Can you imagine that moment? They're like, "Uh, dude, could you stay with us for a little bit? This was like really cool. Right? And we could use a little bit of help and guidance, really. And, and, you know, Peter's probably like, 
well, I'm not going to leave a bunch of Gentiles alone with this. <laughs> right? Of course I'm going to stay and help, and let's make sure this gets passed across correctly. And man, hear me. Now, a couple thousand years later, sits a church of Gentiles talking of the greatness of Jesus Christ. And people are being saved. And God has a plan. And all of God's people said, man, have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Have you leaned on him and counted on him? Have you called him Lord? Well, then the next question, have you been baptized since then and made much of his name publicly? That is an unbelievable power relationship between you and your God. Let him move and make much of his name, okay? And uh, Some of you might be like, well, that's great, but I don't know if I really understand baptism that much. So uh, let me answer a few questions. And while I answer these questions, these are kind of some frequently asked questions that we get. So while I go through these, I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward, and they're going to be passing some cards down the row, all right? And so here's the deal. Ready? Every single person take a card. Uh, how many take a card? Every single person take a card. You're like, I really don't need a card. Every single person take a card, all right? So they're going to pass these down the row. Make sure every one of you gets a card and make sure that while they're passing, you can also hear me talk because I'm still talking with some value statements, all right? I understand that when cards come by, it's like, oh, look at this. And then all of a sudden, we no longer hear any words around, right? So try to do both at once. Here we go. First... Um, Here's the first question we often get. Hey, I trusted Christ, and I was baptized at another church. I was baptized at another church. I believed in Jesus Christ, and then I trusted, and uh, I was baptized there, though. Do I need to be tr baptized here at Harvest? And uh, no, absolutely not. Uh, we always say it this way. We're not a cult. You're not being baptized into Harvest Bible Chapel. You are being baptized, as it says here, into the name of Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said? And so if you were baptized in another place, into the name of Jesus Christ, awesome. That's good. And uh, you don't need to be baptized again. Uh, second one that comes up. Hey, I was baptized, but um, you kind of do this thing where you've got this bigger tub and there's going down into the water and up, we're at this immersion thing. We didn't do that. We do a sprinkling is where I got baptized. Do I need to get baptized again? And uh, I'll just say this. Um, it's not about how wet you get, okay? Um, but if they were doing a sprinkling and it turns out they maybe weren't making it clear that this was about your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and it was somehow more about becoming a member of something, and you want this to be all about your faith in Jesus Christ, awesome, come do that with us. And if you're like, no, I think it was really clear, then great, then you're good, okay? And so if there was sprinkling, just make sure you understand what's going on with that. Uh, number three, uh, I was baptized as an infant, uh, but not since, and I am trusting in Christ now. Okay, and let's be really careful with this one. Here's what we'll say. Um, yes, you do need to be baptized again. You've believed in Jesus Christ, right? And now it's time for baptism after. First belief and then, okay? 
Now, the, here's the reality, though. There's nothing against, like, if there was a child who was baptized, that's awesome. It says a lot about your parents' conviction for them loving Jesus Christ and wanting a statement in their home about it. That's great. And there's no statement being made about the negativity of that. This is you now standing up, being able to say, I trust Christ. In fact, even being able to say, do you see? They so committed the family to, and now I am. And what an answer to prayer, and I'm trusting Christ. And so you're getting baptized. And so if you were baptized as an infant, we would say, yes, definitely come get baptized with us. If you have trusted Christ since you are a believer, yes, come get baptized with us if you haven't done that since believing, all right? And um, here's another one. Um, hey, what's an appropriate age for baptism? And uh, we get this asked a lot, and uh, especially if we're giving a testimony in a little bit larger room, uh, what would be an appropriate age? And I'll just tell you this. We have tended to find that kids can tend to voice their testimony well, starting somewhere in that junior high years, probably seventh, eighth grade is kind of the best time. They're able to voice out where they stand and what they're thinking. We aren't at all saying there can't be salvation under that. Everybody hear me on that. But we're just being careful that there can be a really clear understanding of their testimony, that they can bring that, and also that they can remember it a little bit. Quite frankly, I remember almost nothing of when I was in third grade, you know? And uh, let's just be a little careful on that. And so seventh grade, we found, tends to be that spot. We're not trying to be hyper-dogmatic on that. I'm just giving you a little guidance. That's what we've tended to find. And uh, so if we could stick to something around that in general, that would be a big help. Is that fair enough the way I said that? All right, fair enough. We'll leave that there. Uh, here's another one. Uh, really, in front of 1,200 people? And uh, I'll just tell you this. We have three different services, okay? And uh, each service is a different size. And, uh, you know, like the 430 service has just a couple hundred people at that. We've got a total of about 400 in attendance at that counting kids, which is great. The service is doing really well. Um, but it's going to be a, a much smaller crowd to be able to speak to. If you're thinking, hey, I'd love to do that at maybe a little smaller service, or I can get family to a 430 service or whatever there, there will be opportunities on the card. You can see that there to circle 430 if you desire that, all right? And uh, just to make sure that you understand, there's 911, which are our typicals, and then there's also we are going to be doing a 430 service. And if you'd like to do it with a little smaller environment, feel free to do that. And uh, okay. What is baptism like? And uh, what's it look like? And, and if you haven't seen it or tasted of it, we actually have a video I want to show you. So before I do that, I just want to say this. The cards that came across, hopefully they've gotten all the way across the row, do me a favor and just set the extras down in the aisle. And then we're going to allow the ushers to come pick those up if they already haven't. So just go ahead and set those down in the aisle. The ushers will come get those. And uh, so what, is, what does baptism even look and feel like? Here we go. be baptized because I want to proclaim to everybody my love for God and His Son, Jesus Christ, and I will forever be obedient to Him. So I grew up in a Christian household like many others here, and um, I always just assumed I was a Christian, just kind of how I acted and how I did things, but that did, definitely did not make me want Our five-year-old son, Owen, he was enrolled in an Awana program, and he would come home 
um, every week excited and we realized, hey, you know, we don't know Jesus Christ and we need to get to know him and ask him into our hearts. Uh, I grew up in the church and just went through the motions really. Um, and then it was after college, it hit my personal rock bottom. And I said, you know what, I'm tired of feeling useless and helpless and it's time to turn it all over. I know I don't have the answers, but I know who does. Forgiven, forgiven, child, there is freedom from all of it. Say goodbye to every sin. I grew up in a loving Christian home, and along the way, um, I just wasn't all in. Um, through life, thought that I could um, handle some things on my own, and um, that's not the case. I grew up in the church and was taught the truth about God. And I was at church one day, and we talked about like what it meant to like accept Jesus Christ. And then that night, I talked with my parents a little bit more about what that looked like, and then accepted him that night. And I just realized that we we really need Jesus in our lives to help us through those times. Amen. Before, I was, I held up a lot of anger and bitterness and just worry in my heart. And when I gave that all to him, uh, all that went away. It changes everything. Like, it went from muscling it and all about me to all about him and all about um, just surrendering more and more aspects of my life to him. It lifts a weight off your shoulders and helps you be a light in the darkness. I want to be baptized to show everyone that I love Jesus and that I'm all in. Uh, to pray my love for Jesus Christ. I want to just show people that I love Jesus. I want to show the world that I have decided to follow Jesus. Um, I just want everybody to know that I love Jesus Christ. Uh, show the world that I love Christ and I'm all in. Because I want to show everyone that I love Jesus and He's my Lord and Savior. Um, just to tell my family and friends and everyone else that I'm following Jesus. To show my friends and family that I love Jesus. And all God's people said? <laughs> Such a sweet time, a great celebration together. Here's the deal. We're just going to take a few minutes right now. If you have trusted Christ as Savior, maybe it was 10 minutes ago, maybe it was 10 years ago, but you have not since been baptized, now is the time. And will you just fill out the card? Just take a moment right where you are. We're going to take a minute or two and fill your card out, okay? And so do that where you're at. 
And then on the way out, everybody give your card back. Who gives your card back? Everybody. Filled out or not, give your card back. So you only have to fill it out if you want to be baptized this next week. We would love to get you plugged in. So go ahead and fill that out. I'll tell you, it'll usually take us a handful of days to get things organized. You will get a pastor's call somewhere around Wednesday night or Thursday morning, and we will get after it then trying to get it all organized, all right? So fill it out, and we'll get to you by midweek, maybe Thursday morning at the latest, and uh, take a moment here. So prayerfully be considering filling this out. We would love to have you join us for baptism. And uh, man, if you have already been baptized, be praying for those in the room who need to make that next step. Let's just take a moment or two here, and then we'll close with a song.